0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Ephesus Baptist Church. This is God's house. This is the place He has provided for us to come and worship and praise Him. And I ask you, are you glad you're part of the family of God? Amen. Amen. Our text this morning comes from Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter, verses 1 through 9. Ezekiel. The 33rd chapter, verses 1 through 9. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your countrymen and say to them, When I bring the sword against the land, and the people of the land choose one of their men, and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming against the land, and blows the trumpet to warn the people, Then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes his life, his blood will be on his own head. Since he heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning, the blood will be on his own head. If he had taken warning, he would have saved himself. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, And the sword comes and takes the life of one of them. That man will be taken away because of his sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his ways, and he does not do so, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. May God add his blessing to the reading, hearing, And studying of his word. You know, we talked last week about making a resolution to carry out the great commission in our lives to evangelize, to witness, to testify to our faith to others. So today I thought it would be appropriate if we would talk about the gift of evangelism. Calvin Coolidge was the vice president of the United States from 1921 to 1923 under President Warren Hardy. Vice President Coolidge was not a very active vice president, but he did take great pleasure in serving as the, uh, presiding over the Senate. Well, one day as Vice President Coolidge was presiding. One senator who was in an angry debate with another senator told this other senator, you can go straight to hell. Well, the senator that was offended went to Calvin Coolidge to complain. And while he was complaining, Coolidge was flipping through the Senate rule book. And after the senator finished complaining, Vice President Coolidge says, I have looked through the rule book and you do not have to go. (laughs) Now to us as evangelists, such is the good news that we have to share with the world. We have looked in God's book. No one has to go to hell. The Bible teaches that God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, as Paul wrote to Timothy. You know, the heart of God beats for every man, woman, and child and longs for each of them to spend eternity with Him. Every human being bears the stamp of God on their soul for they were made in His image. He created them. He came to redeem them and to live apart from God and not experience the presence of His Holy Spirit is one of life's greatest tragedies of all time. We can possess everything the world has to offer. We can have enough money, a great education, good looks, a wonderful family, yet if we do not know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have missed the point of this life. In Mark 8:36, Jesus phrased it as follows, What good is it for man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? There are three facts that I believe we should know or understand concerning evangelism. So as we go through them, if you'd like to write them down on your pad, or to just remember them in your mind, Pay attention, please, as we look at the three facts that I believe we need to know. The first fact we need to understand uh, concerning evangelism is people are eternally lost without Jesus. People are eternally lost without Jesus. That truth is so often overlooked in our culture today. We have redefined sin. And we have softened the gospel to the point that we really do not believe that people are lost without Christ. We cannot imagine anyone could possibly be in spiritual danger as long as they are sincere, we say. They were religious in their own way. Or he or she was such a good person, I just know they're going to heaven. Well, these are nice sentiments, but are they true? Well, let's look at what Jesus said in John 14:6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As parents, we say we want our children to be happy. Well, is happiness all that we really wish for for our children? Are we concerned whether or not they are moral? Are we concerned whether or not they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Are we concerned whether they will spend eternity with God or without Him? They may be attractive. They may be intelligent people. Yet, are they living for God or for themselves? There's a tendency, as I said, to believe that all good people are going to heaven... In 2007, in a survey done by the Barna Group, 54% of the people surveyed said that a good person was going to heaven regardless of their religion and regardless of their relationship to Jesus. And Acts 4.12, we're told about Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven to men by which we must be saved. We have talked about the fact that a judgment day is coming. If we have ignored Jesus to this point or to the point of judgment day, we shall never know Him. We shall never get to see Him in heaven. If we are living selfish, immoral, And sinful lives, there will be a price to pay. This should be our motivation for winning souls to Christ. As Christians, we certainly don't want our family, our friends, or anyone to be eternally separated from God. So what does it matter if a person is successful here on earth, if he or she spends an eternity in hell. The second fact concerning evangelism that I believe we need to understand is lost people matter to God. Lost people matter to God. Jesus called himself the friend of sinners and among his followers were ex-tax collectors, prostitutes, thieves, and murderers. Jesus did not love their sin, but he loved the sinners. And the sinners loved Jesus because he gave them hope. Forgiveness was available if they came to him and truly desired to change. You know, there's an interesting passage in the second book of Peter, and Peter here is attempting to explain why the judgment has been so long in arriving. Why didn't God just wipe out and destroy all of those sinners left in the world? And Peter answered with words that, with which we are so familiar. He said, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And the most familiar passages in the Bible remind us that God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Now, do we deserve the judgment that's reserved for us? Yes, of course we do. But God is so rich in mercy that he saved us from eternal death, eternal damnation by the death of Jesus Christ. As we read in the 15th chapter of Luke, hopefully we are reminded of God's compassion, God's incredible love for the lost. In fact, this 15th chapter, if you look at it, is basically a book of lost things. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And in each case, God is pictured as searching and longing for what has been lost. And when the sinful and rebellious son repents, comes to his senses, and returns home, the father runs out and embraces him and tells his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The third fact concerning evangelism we need to understand is lost people should matter to us. We said people without Jesus are lost for eternity. We said God, lost people matter to God. And thirdly, lost people should matter to us. You know, some Christians act as if they hate sinners instead of loving them. They look down on the lives of adulterers, thieves, liars, drug addicts, alcohols, and others, as though they were not redeemable. There's a a sense of spiritual smugness to them. They fail to see others through God's eyes. They fail to remember where they used to be and from what God saved them. They forget how patient God was with each and every one of us until we saw the light, until we got the picture. If our character is to model the character of God, then we must possess the same compassion He has. We must love as God loves. We must overlook the sin in order to reach the sinner, because if we do not reach the sinner, they will die without God and without any hope. In our text that we just read, Ezekiel is using a type of parable to explain our responsibility to warn others on, of the day of judgment and to win them to Christ And he really creates an absurd scenario, but I think it gets across the point. He says a watchman is placed on the wall of the city to look for invading enemies. And even though he sees the danger and knows it is coming, he fails to sound the trumpet blast. He fails to warn the people inside the walls of the, the city and... We can only guess at what possible reason he had for not warning them. Perhaps he thought the trumpet blast would frighten them. Maybe he thought they would not believe him. Maybe he believed in his own heart that the invading armies would not really harm anyone. But God held this watchman responsible. And Ezekiel ends that text section by saying when I say to the wicked O wicked man you will surely die and you meaning each and every one of us who are Christians who are saved and we do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways that wicked man will die for his sin and I meaning God will hold you meaning us responsible for his blood But if we do warn the wicked man, if we do witness to him, if we do testify to him to turn from his wicked ways and he does not do so, he will die for his sin. But we will be saved ourselves. People without Christ are eternally lost. God loves lost people. They matter to him. Lost people should matter to us. If these facts are fixed firmly in our mind, then we've already won 95% of the battle of being an evangelist for Christ, of witnessing and winning others to Jesus. We don't need any more information. We must be convinced of the importance of the task. We must realize that souls are at stake, and if we remember those three facts, we okay? You know, some people have a gift of evangelism. Now, that's not one of the gifts of the Spirit or fruits of the Spirit. It's a gift that each and every one of us can develop. God Je- sent Jesus and Jesus told us, each and every one of us, to go therefore into each nation, teaching them. He expects all of us to be evangelists. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to be a biblical scholar. All you must do is tell your story. Tell what God has done in your life. Tell how God has changed your life. Tell how God has taken a wretched sinner like me and accepted him as a son or accepted a woman as a daughter. Just tell your story. And just by relating that experience, you can make an eternal difference in someone else's life. I think back to the story of Jesus healing the blind man. And of course, the religious leaders did not like the fact that he healed him the way he healed him and didn't like the... The day on which he was healed, which was the Sabbath. And they went to this man who had been healed and they asked all these theological questions. And they asked him all these difficult questions about who was Jesus and how did he heal him. And the healed man said, I don't know the answer to those questions. But one thing I do know I was blind, but now I see. I was blind. But now I see. What a wonderful, simple statement that is. What a great evangelist he was. He didn't have to have a deep theological explanation of what happened or even who Jesus was, yet he was able to tell his story and his story is our story. We were blind, but now we see. And if you're sitting here today and someone has witnessed to you, someone has told you the good news and the Holy Spirit has touched your heart and you want that gift of salvation, we invite you to come forward. As I said many times from this pulpit, it's not difficult. You come forward and you say to the Lord as you're coming down the aisle, Lord, I sinner please forgive me of my sins and he will and then you say Lord I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and we will be glad to welcome you at this altar if you wish to become a member of this church we will certainly entertain that request If you're a member of another church but feel you can best serve God here at this time, we invite you to come and transfer your membership.